Good morning, Shabbos. Good morning, everyone. Hope you have a wonderful day. We continue. We left off the last line on the bottom, 106b, the 13th and last chapter of Ksuvas. That someone went overseas. So Itma, we learned, and his wife comes and asks for support. That's the mission discusses. It we learn Rav Amar says we continue in one hundred seven a. Please in this We grant support for a man's wife out of his property. The court will will take his assets to pay for his wife's for his wife's maintenance. Shmuel Amar Shmuel says in place comes in this ish. We don't grant support for his for his wife out of his property. If she swears, we won't uh, take seize his assets to pay for a man. Shmuel Shmuel says, "Mightily Abba." Rav he refers to reverently as my as father, because he was older. A, a rabbi is like a father; he gives birth to you spiritually. He gives birth to you in a shama. Your parents give birth to you biologically. In this world, your your, your rabbi the rabbi gives you birth to you in a shama for all eternity. Others say, Adolf says, Taisu says, actually, that was his name. Abba was actually Rav's name. <laughs> Rav. Rav was just a, an, honor, an honor title. An honorable title. They called him Rav, the teacher, the Rav. But really, Abba was his name. But Shmuel was his friend, so he called him on his first name basis. So he called him Abba. He called him Abba. So he said, Amr Shmuel Shemaitli, Abba Abba agrees with me. The first three months of the husband's absence, we don't grant their support. Even Rav will agree. Why? We assume a, a person, a healthy person, a normal relationship, we have no reason to assume otherwise, he's not going to abandon his wife, leave town, skip town, and not take care of her. Right. So he doesn't want to take care of her, leave her with nothing, he's going to starve. We'll say, we'll see. No, he says, everyone agrees that we can assume. Well, why are you going you know, down there? Is it rebuttable? And then the Gemara continues for Where they heard the husband died. Everyone agrees that we give her support from the property. The Gemara will explain why. When are they arguing? We don't know if he's alive or dead. That Abraham Peskin in that case, Rav says, we, we go down and we support her from his property. Because he's obligated to support her. Shmuel named Peskin. Shmuel says, no, we don't. My time. What's the reasoning of Shmuel? She's a creditor. So we have two, an argument. We say maybe he deposited a bundle of money. It's untraceable. He gave her money. Here's cash. Take care of it. The silver, gold, whatever it is. And you'll be able to take care of it. So support yourself while I'm away. And try my luck elsewhere. Papa, Mera Papa says, Chashin Hashem Amala. We suspect he may have told her Usually, the husband takes all of her earnings, and in place, he takes care to provide her sustenance. Maybe he made a deal with her. You know what? You support yourself. Keep your paycheck. Open your own bank account, and I no longer obligated to support you. That, since it's a possibility, he made this arrangement. What right do we have to go down to the estate to, to pay for sustenance? He made a deal. He's no longer obligated for sustenance. Why? Everyone agrees. Even Shmuel. Everyone agrees that after she dies, after he dies, that we do grant support from Even Shmuel agrees because none of these reasons apply. 
For, he deposited money for her. It has nothing to do with that. Once he dies, he's obligated from the Ksuva obligation. She has to swear for the orphans that he didn't leave her any money for the ksuva. Once, so if he didn't leave any money for the ksuva, then of course we can go down to the estate and sell it to pay his obligation. And and the other thing is no 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 relevance. You know, take care of yourself. What does it have to do? You're responsible. You're responsible. The ksuva is to take care of me after after death, or after divorce. What's the difference between these two reasons, Rav Zvid and Rapapa? Why Shmuel says that we don't, you don't give her anything. Go, you don't, yeah, we don't, we don't sell the estate. The court doesn't. doesn't give her yeah, my What's the difference between these two reasons? There's a practical difference. An adult woman whose earnings are not enough for support, according to the Rapapa's reasoning, and maybe. He's no longer responsible. He is responsible. This deal is only if she can support herself. But if her paycheck is not the, is not the, the big enough, then he is obligated to support her. Then we would go down to the property. According to our papa's reason, in this case, we would, the court would get involved, would intervene and go down to the property and sell from his property to support her. Her paycheck is not, is, not, is not enough to support herself. She can't support herself. But if, according to the reason is, maybe he left her money, we wouldn't. We don't get involved. You know, maybe he left the money. Another reason, another distinction, another difference, inami, or if you will, I'll tell you, the difference is, a minor whose earnings are enough for her own support. So a minor would never be given a bundle of money. If he's married to a minor, the husband's not going to entrust a whole bunch of money, cash. He's going to give a bundle of money to a child. They'll go spend it on cotton candy. Well, this children, by the way, not only if she can support herself, then, then there's no reason for the court to get involved. But if we're worried that maybe entrusted her money, of course the court will get involved. We learned in the Mishnah, we learned in our Mishnah, husband went overseas, and the wife comes to the court and demands her support. So we have an argument. She swears at the end when her husband died and she seeks a ksuba, then she swears. If she demands a ksuva, then she swears that she has nothing in her possession, and then the court intervenes. But she doesn't swear at the beginning. She doesn't have to swear. She can collect the support without swearing. The court will go down to the property and sell his property to support her. Either the distinction is, that's the question, either the distinction is between a ksuva the ksuva obligation that she has to swear. The, the support that she doesn't have to swear. And therefore, even support after she dies, for that she would not have to swear. That we learn is an argument amongst the commentaries that are shown. Or no, he's making a distinction between before, if he didn't die, while he's alive, we should, he doesn't have to swear. We go down to his property and sell his property for support. But after he dies, because now the orphans are involved, now, unless she swears, we're not going to touch the estate. She has to swear, even for her support. So that's an argument. Some say, no, for her support, even after he dies, you don't have to swear. But for the ksuva, the ksuva obligation, that you have to swear that he didn't leave her any, any cash, any private slush funds, Swiss bank accounts. When the Mishnah says, 
Nechleku Kainim Gedelim, but the, the the sons of the Kainim Gedelim argue with uh, argued with Chanan. Chanan was one of the judges who made the decrees. They argued with him, and they said Tishava Betchilah Besef. No, even when he's alive, she has to swear first before we go down. So what do we see from the Mishnah? Before the court, once she swears, then the court will intervene. So what do we see from this Mishnah? The argument is the whole argument in Chanan the rabbis is whether she has to swear or not. Whether we intervene without her swearing or no, first she has to swear and then the court will get involved. But the bottom line is the court will get involved and will sell his property to support her. So this supports Rav's opinion. How could Shmuel argue with the Mishnah? This seems to be the unanimous opinion. So my answer is Turgim Shmuel. Shmuel will interpret the Mishnah. The mission is referring to a case where they heard the husband died. And, and we said earlier, in the case of he died, even Shmuel agrees that we go down and we support. And that's the argument whether, that's, that's the argument in Hanan and the rabbis, whether for support you have to swear. You don't have to swear. Everyone agrees that for the Ksuva she has to swear first. question is, after he dies, for support, you have to swear, you don't have to swear. Ah, bring your proof to prove. Me, Shalom didn't say, yeah, we learned the price. If the husband went overseas, we should pass him and the wife demands support. Comes to court, demands support. My husband left me alone. She has to swear before she can collect her husband's property. No, Lady Shah doesn't have to swear. We take a word for it and we intervene and sell his property for support. If the husband came back and said, wait a minute, so what does that mean? The husband is alive. The, the Braishas states clearly the argument between Hanan and the rabbis and, and the sons of the Kainim is her husband is still alive. And if the husband then comes back and he says, Pesaklim is in, so I don't know what she's talking about. Of course I left her food. You think I would, I would abandon her? Leave her to starve? Nehman, he is believed. We believe the husband. She wants to pay it back. Yeah, she has to return any payment the court grants her. She has to pay back. Even 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 though she swore, according to the sons of the of the uh, of the kohenim, that she had to swear, and the husband then also has to swear. But we believe the husband. Why do we believe the husband more than her? They're both swearing because it's more likely which normal husband would leave his wife if he claims and he swears. He backs up his claim that he is, he support. Of course he left the support. What do you think he would leave her? He left her a whole bundle of cash. Maybe she squandered it. Maybe she went gambling and then she comes running to the court to sell my property to support her. So we believe the husband. Everyone agrees we believe the husband. So what do we see clearly that their argument is talking about a case where the husband is still alive. So it means everyone agrees, not like Shmuel, that we do go down, the court does intervene. The only argument is whether she has to swear first or not. How can Shmuel say that we don't sell from his property for support? See, the mother answers, Hachinami here too is talking about Bashamba Shemais, the husband died. In fact, the mother, how can you say that? The Braise says clearly, and if the husband comes, that means the husband is still alive, he didn't die. The mother answers, if he came back after the report of his death had circulated, in other words, they heard that he died. And then he comes along to say that the reports of his death is, a, is premature. He didn't die yet. <laughs> or he comes to the shiva. He heard that the sitting shiva of him, he comes to be blessed. So he said, okay, then if he shows up, but they would never get involved unless they thought he was dead. 
If they know for certain he's not, then no one ever heard he died this day. Shmuel is right, they would not get involved. Period. Ah, I'll bring you a proof. We learned in the Brahim Rolling and Siam, the husband left overseas, which the Vasim said, she comes to the court to demand the support. It's above armor, and he comes back and he says, See, my you know what? Instead of taking my estate, why don't you take your earnings, keep your checks, and you'll support yourself? Rashoi is allowed to impose this requirement, even though she doesn't want to. It's up to him. In other words, if she borrowed money in the, in, while he was gone to pay for her support, he doesn't have to reimburse her. He says, You know what? Take your paycheck and pay, pay it back. I'll support you for now. Take your paycheck and, and pay, pay back the, that debt. So even though we're talking about a woman who she cannot support herself, Woman, a woman who can't support herself on one her, job. Her earnings weren't enough. So her earnings weren't enough. So then, she, the husband doesn't have a right to tell her, you know, you support yourself. I, I don't earn enough. But if she gets a second job, she works harder. She can get two jobs. She could. She could. Yeah, she could. She could pay. The husband can't force her, you know, to get a second job. And support yourself. I don't want to support you. We'll go to the restaurant. We'll split the check. You take care of yourself. You know, you can't force her to do that. But in the case with his creditors, where she borrowed money, and it's a question of forcing the husband to pay back the creditors while he was gone, she borrowed and she paid it. For that, he could tell her, you know what, get an extra job, work harder, and you pay it up. I'm not, I'm not responsible. So then the price continues. Kadmu based in a Pasco, but if the court preceded him and already granted her support, they went down to his property and sold it for support. Asha Pasco, Pasco, whatever they granted has been granted. There's no going back. So what do we see? That the court is authorized to take his assets even while he's alive. Not like Shmuel. The court got involved because they heard that he died. They were, you're right, Shmuel said they would never get involved if they heard he's still alive. Never. But they heard that he died, and then it turns out there was a false, uh, false, false rumor. The reason we learned the two reasons. The argument that was written a papa. One reason is because I'm surely the husband gave her money. Maybe the husband gave her money. So what, what right do we have to take this, sell his property on Fifth Avenue? Why that presumption? Because a normal husband is not leaving his wife, uh, you know, hungry and no money. He left town and goodbye. You know, penniless. It doesn't make sense. He made a deal with her. Now you're on your own. While I'm away, you take care of yourself. Keep your paycheck. Support yourself. Ah, I'll bring you a third proof. You learn the price. Mishalom didn't see. I'm the husband went overseas. The wife comes to the court and demands support. The court will go and sell his property to support of and they support but not his sons or daughters. For that, they, the court will not intervene, will not sell his property. Even the sons and daughters that he supported when he was home. But he wasn't entitled to support. By law, you just have to support your sons and daughters just at a very young age. And afterwards, you're not obligated to support them. Up only till the age of six. Afterwards, I'm not, I'm not obligated to. Now, of course, a person who chooses not to support his kids over kids, six, the, 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 the court will humiliate him in public. Says even a raven, a cruel bird, takes care of the children. Whatever birds, animals take care of the children. And this person who has means—I'm talking about someone who doesn't have a penny to his name—who has means and refuses to t- take care of his own children, they'll humiliate him in shul. They'll call him mi- miser, you know, and they'll 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 they'll, they'll force him, like shame him into this. 
but you can't obligate him. If he's no longer in town, he left town, skipped town, that doesn't give you the right, the authority to seize his assets and to sell them. His wife, they would, they would seize the assets. And the court also, not for something else. The Gemara will explain what something else is. You don't seize his assets for something else. What's he referring to? So what do we see? What do we see? Again, we're talking about the husband is alive. And we do seize his assets. Samarab Sheishas. If, of course he's alive because if if is what do you, what do you have to if he's dead the children inherit inherit what, what do you mean you don't seize the assets for the children if he died the children inherit the assets you don't have to seize anything it's theirs so obviously we're talking about the court knows that he's alive he just skipped town the question is you seize the assets so clearly it's not like Shmuel clearly when the, the husband is still alive the, the Bryce says you seize the assets to support the wife so I'm going to have Shesha's answers. Shmuel will explain. We're talking about the Mashas Isha de Shalish. The Bryce is talking about a case where he provides for his wife through a third party. Before he left, he appointed an administrator. And the administrator didn't, didn't carry out his mission. So in this case, Shmuel agrees the court would seize the assets and to sell it to support her. Because since he left an administrator, you can safely assume he didn't leave any money. If he left her money... Yeah, trustee. No, he's not dead. He's alive. If he's alive, it's a trustee. Oh, it's a trustee. Okay. So, a trustee. So, surely he didn't leave her separate money. If he left a trustee, obviously that was his arrangement to take care of her. And he's not doing his job, so we have no choice. We go and we seize his assets. And surely he didn't ask her to support herself. Both reasons. Rav Zviet and Papa don't apply here. That maybe he made an arrangement, you take care of her, keep your paycheck, and you take care of yourself. Why would he appoint the trustee to take care of her? So that case, even Shmuel will agree, that's the price is talking about. In that case, the court seizes for her support. If that's the case, Banavim of Nami. He should also seize possession to support his sons and daughters also. Because if you appoint a trustee, probably the trustee was also going to not only support the wife, also support the children. So that was his intent, to support his children. And if he's not doing his job, the court should go and seize the property and sell the property for the support of his children. Does the Braise say in that case that we don't, the court doesn't sell the property for the support of the children, the sons and daughters? We're talking about a case where he only appointed the trustee for the wife, take care of the wife. He didn't mention the children. He made no arrangements for the children. In that case, we have no right. Since he's not obligated, we have no right to seize his property to support the sons and daughters. Why is it so clear that he made, so simple to the Braise, that he made arrangements for the wife? He didn't make arrangements for the children. Why would I assume that? Why would I assume if he appointed a trustee, surely the trustee is for both things. Why would I assume it was only for one thing and not the other? So rather, Elam Rapapa gives a different explanation. The Bryce is talking about a case where the wife heard the husband died based on the testimony of one single witness. And therefore, if she wants, she could remarry based on one witness. Usually we don't believe one witness when it comes 
to, to the testimony of the husband, we believe one witness. She could marry if she wants, based on that, on that testimony. And we also give her support. If it's enough, if the testimony of one witness is enough to establish her husband's death, allowing her to remarry, it should also be enough to allow her support from his estate. After his death, he's obligated to support her as well, continue that support. But but as far as the sons and the daughters, the boy is you can based on the testimony of one witness, it's not enough to inherit. When it comes to money, I need two witnesses. It's not enough for them to inherit. The, the father's a multi-billion dollar business and he, and he disappeared suddenly. And one witness comes and says, yeah, he crashed, I saw his body, he's dead. It's not enough for them to take over all of his wealth. So therefore, based on that one witness, we can't also give them any support. A brilliant answer. Fascinating. Jewish law, if a guy disappears... It's not only a question of Aguna. We know if a husband disappears, the wife is stuck. But, but it's not only the wife is stuck, the children never inherit anything. If a guy disappears, if Uncle Tony buried him, you know, uh, half, 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 the children will never inherit it. They never inherit it. What does the Bryce mean? And we don't seize the estate for something else. What's he referring to? Meaning for the wife, a dormant for the wife. A budget for a dormant for her, her beautification, perfumes, jewelry, that type of, that, those things, that we don't seize assets for. Even though the husband has to provide for his wife everything, her needs, which include her perfume, not just to, to eat and the clothing. But that's only when he's there. She has to dress up. She needs perfume for the husband. If the husband is not around, well, why do we have to give her a budget to, to beautify for her? So, so she can uh, I mean, be unfaithful to someone else. There's no, the husband's not around. So for that, we don't seize his assets to sell his assets. Rabbi Yezif says, Tzedakah. It means charity. She wants to give tzedakah. She's very, she's very generous. She wants to write checks. She wants to support Chabad. We don't, this court will not seize the husband's assets to enable her to write checks and to give tzedakah. Ashi says when the community puts a tax, and uh, when the community imposes a tax and everyone in the community to participate in an appeal, tzedakah, you know, it's not, they don't volunteer you, they tell you what you're giving. <laughs> but if he's absent, they, the court will not go down and seize a wealthy person who's absent, he's not, he's not present, we're not going to go down and seize his assets. And uh, to, to to satisfy this uh, this imposition, if he's not present, we don't we don't touch the estate. As manda, what's the difference between the two? Manda matachshit. Rav Chizdu says that he's referring to tachshit or budget for beautification. Kolshikin, how much more so? Tzedakah. He don't sell his estate to give her a budget for 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 to beautify herself. Surely we're not going to budget her for tzedakah. And we don't, we're not going to go down to, to impose the tzedakah that we taxed everyone else. But Rav Yosef, who says that we don't, we don't seize the estate to satisfy the tzedakah, but we do sell his estate to make sure that she's beautiful. We, perceive, we assume he wouldn't want his wife to become repulsive just because the husband is absent still. A woman should always be beautiful. 
nails should be polished, she should be beautiful, she should have her perfume and the jewelry that she needs. Just for herself, she needs to feel beautiful, ready for her husband. Whenever he shows up, he's, she's ready, she's there. He didn't make arrangements, but we assume that that's what the husband wants. Surely, he wants his wife to be beautiful at all times. The mother is always challenging, is constantly challenging Shmuel. Because it's Shmuel, such a novelty to say the court does not interfere, does not intervene, doesn't go and sell his, seize his assets, even after she swears to support her. So the mother tries to refute his opinion. Tashma, I'll bring you a proof. We learned number nine. His husband died, and he died, and, and he died childless. The first three months after her husband's death, she's supported by her husband's estate. Because the first three months, she's not allowed to marry. She can't marry anyone else until she does Yibum. But she's also not allowed to marry the Yavam, the brother-in-law, the surviving brother-in-law. Why not? He's obligated. The Torah says you have to marry the brother. Why, why do you have to wait three months? Because maybe she's pregnant. The first three months, he can't tell if a woman is pregnant. Right, right. And if she's pregnant, then, then you're not allowed to marry a brother-in-law. Because if she's not childless, right. you left her with a child. Right. Then, he's yeah, then, right. then you're not allowed to. It's forbidden forever. So you have to wait three months. So, so who supports her during those three months? He says, from the estate of her late, her late husband's estate. After three months, then she's not, neither she's not supported neither by her husband's estate nor the yavam. Why does he grant her support? Because it says in the ksuva that says all your days of your widowhood in my house, as long as you're in my house, I'm obligated to support you. Continue your support. The first three months, she's still in his house. Why is she stuck for three months? Because of him. Maybe she's carrying his baby. So because she's stuck, that's why she still, he has to support her. His estate has to support her. But after three months, she's not bound to her husband. She's now bound to, to, her, to her brother-in-law, her husband's brother. Not yet. So she has no claim on the husband's estate. You're not connected to me. You're connected, you're connected to the... To, to the surviving brother. Now, the Yavam doesn't have to support her. He never he took her into marriage. He hasn't, so she, yeah, so he she's hasn't in a limbo. He hasn't, he hasn't agreed yet. Until, until he actually consummates the Yibum, until she becomes her husband, until, until she becomes his wife. Woman. Right, so she's in limbo. So no one supports her. Right, right, right. What if the Yavam was brought to judgment by the Yavama. He refuses. He says, I'm stuck. Who's going to support me? And then he runs away. She's supported by the Yavam's estate, by the surviving brother. That Even when the husband is alive, okay, you say the Yavam, after three months, he belongs to him. And we go down to his estate, and we seize his estate, and we sell his estate to support her. And he's not even married yet. It's just an obligation. So how can Shmuel say if you're married, a husband who's married who left town, who skipped town, the court, and, she, and we believe her, she swears, I don't have anything. We don't go down and collect money and seize his estate to support her. So I'm Allah Shmuel, what answer Shmuel will tell you, what are you concerned of here? <laughs> Remember, I gave you two reasons, right? We said two reasons why, two alternate reasons why 
Shmuel says that the court will not seize the estate for its support, right? One reason was because he left her money. He left her money. He's not going to leave her penniless. So surely he gave her a, a stack of cash to support herself. Or, yes, or because... Or because he made a deal with her. You support yourself and I no longer have to support you. None of these apply in this case. He never married her yet. It's a brother-in-law. It's not, it's not his wife. So surely he didn't leave her. He didn't leave town and he left her with money. There's no reason to assume that. She's not obligated to give her a paycheck. So surely he didn't make any deal with her. So if she needs support, he's obligated to support her. Okay, Toshma, another challenge against Shmuel. A woman and her husband went overseas. She comes back and she says to the court, my husband died. She has a choice. She can be supported by the estate. She wants to collect the ksuva and, that's, and, that's, and, and severs a connection to the estate. She gets paid and then she's gone. So she can live in the house and continue to support. No. You know, her husband, a widow, a widow has an option. She can stay in the house and be supported, or she can collect the ksuva, and then her relationship, a connection to her ex, uh, to her late husband, is over. Because why could she collect the ksuva? Since she's allowed to marry based on her own testimony, and that's what it says in the ksuva. When you marry another man, I will pay you. So since we believe her and we trust her, and based on her own test, not even one witness, in her own testimony, we allow her to marry, so she also has a right for the ksuva. She has a right to collect the ksuva. Now what if she says, Girshani Baili, my husband divorced me. So then, she could be supported, but only... The maximum the level is the amount of the ksub. The amount of the ksub. Yeah. Well, a woman comes and says, my husband divorced me, we don't believe it. She can't be married, based on that testimony. It's only if she says my husband dies that we believe it. Because it's something that, that could be contradicted. She's not going to make a lie. You can't say someone dies, the next day he shows up. First of all, children will, will be bastards. Here, even if the husband shows up, and the husband says, no, I never divorced you. He says, yes, you did. He's not afraid. But here, <laughs> you can't lie about something like that and say my husband died, and then he's alive and well, walking, walking around. So that's what we believe her. But if a woman comes and says, my husband divorced me, we don't believe her. She can't remarry. So therefore, she can't really collect the ksuva. So we assume the husband, is, uh, she's still uh, married, and the husband is obligated to support her. So we don't believe her in general. But never believe her to her own detriment. Okay, you divorce, and then all you get is a ksuva. So the only support you're getting is maximum up until the amount of the ksuva, not more. But according to Shmuel, still, how could you say? No, she claims her husband's alive. She's not saying to the court the husband is dead. The husband is still alive. According to Shmuel, if the, the court does not intervene, the court will not sell Caesar's assets to support her. Why does the Bryce say that we do we do Caesar's assets to support her? At least up to the amount of the Ksuva. So Shmuel will answer Achanami here too. The Bryce is talking about They heard the husband the husband died. Witnesses came and said the husband died. Before she claims a divorce, and then witnesses come and says, No, he died. And therefore, only in that case will the court 
Oh, but, but if witnesses come, if that's the case, why only, if you believe the witnesses and the husband died, why are you only going to support her up until the amount of the ksuvah? If the husband is dead, you have to support her indefinitely as long as she continues to live in his house. She, to her own detriment, you believed on yourself, to your own detriment. You claim that she, he's alive and you, he divorced you, fine. So you're only going to limit your support only up until the amount of the ksuva. Not more. The husband only obligates himself to support his wife if he dies, if she's a widow. Once he divorces his wife, he's no longer obligated to support her. She can't live in his house. He's obligated to pay her ksuva. Yes, but that's it. So the support, you only support her up until the point of the amount of the ksuva. Tashma, again, all the proofs are against Shmuel, because what Shmuel is saying is so novel. Tashma, we learned number is a case of in which case we say that a minor girl, after she refuses, she walks out of her marriage, she is married by her mother, her brothers. Biblically, only the father has a right to marry her, and that's a 100% marriage. But if she's only married rabbinically, the, the uh, rabbis wanted to protect her shouldn't be promiscuous so they allow the mother and the brothers to marry off but she can walk out of the marriage at any time so then so we said that once she walks out he's no longer obligated the husband's no longer obligated to support her so when do we say this you can't say that's a case where she's still living with her husband no, if she didn't annul the marriage, of course she's obligated to support her. As long as they're married, the husband is obligated fully to support her. The husband went overseas. He left town. And loves of Achla. And she borrowed. While the husband was away, out of town, she borrowed to support herself. And she ate. Then, then she, in his absence, she walked out of the marriage. So then we say the husband doesn't have to pay her debt. The husband is obligated to pay up her debt that she borrowed to support herself while he was gone. So what do we see from here? Time The reason why the husband doesn't, we don't go down to the estate, we to his property, we don't seize his property to support, is because she walked because she walked out of the marriage. She protested the marriage. But Allah if she didn't refuse, we would give her support from his estate, even though he's absent, even though he's still alive. So we see not like Shmuel, that the court does go down to his estate to support, to support her. Even in his, in his absence. Shmuel will answer you, again, what are you worried about? Why did I say that the court doesn't intervene and doesn't seize a state to pay for her support while the husband is alive? Two reasons. One reason is either because of Tzorari, because we suspect the husband left her money. Children, a husband, we don't assume the husband is going to leave a little child with a, with a whole bundle of cash. They'll spend it. They'll go to Disney World and waste and spend it. If because he says, support yourself, a minor is not enough, she can't support herself. So therefore, in this case, we assume he did not take care of her needs. Surely the court will seize the assets to pay for her support.
My Havala. Okay, what's the law? Who do we follow? Do we follow Rav? Do we follow Shmuel? Does the court, does the court seize assets or not? Yes, Rav Dimi. When Rav Dimi came to Babylonia from Israel, he said, This is a story. This is a case that happened. This case presented itself before Rebbe when he was in Beis Sha'arim up north in Israel. And the Apostle and he granted her support. He did seize, the court did seize the assets of the husband. Another case, such case came before Rabbi Shmol in Tzipoidi. And he, 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 he rendered his verdict like Shmuel. He didn't grant her support. Rabbi Echnan wondered in Rabbi Shmuel's ruling. Why does Rabbi Shmuel say that we don't? The simple interpretation of our mission is that the argument between the Chanan, the, 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 the judge of decrees, and the sons of the Kainim is only whether she has to swear before we seize her assets, whether we believe her and we seize the assets without her swearing, like Hanun or the sons of the Kainim and they say no, she has to swear first. But but both of them agree that you seize assets. Why would Rabbi Shmuel say you don't seize assets? already explained in Bavel. The mission is talking about in the case with the court, they heard that he died. Only then do we see that. And then it turned out he didn't die. When he died, that's the, that's the question. She has to swear. He doesn't have to swear, but we see the assets. But if we know that he's alive, then we wouldn't seize his assets. That's what Rabbi Shmuel is saying. We don't seize his assets. If you interpret the mission in such a degree, he says, no, that, that, that's not what the Mishnah means. It's not the simple reading of the Mishnah. Rabbi Yechonon is still wondering. He says, Rabbi, that's the correct interpretation. Rav and Rabbi, that's the correct interpretation. He also Rabin, when Rabin came to Babylonia from Eretz a case like this happened before Rabbi when he was in Beishon. He passed on and he didn't grant the support. Reverse of the other case. Yeah, the reverse. He did not. He did Reverse. Rabbi Shmuel said no. We we do seize his assets supporter. Rabbi Eichelon says, "My Lord, Rabbi is not possible." Rabbi Eichelon was surprised. Why does Rabbi say? According to everyone, we do seize. The only question is, the argument is, she has to swear or not. Interpreting the mission in such a degree, not the way the simple reading of the Mishnah. So what's that law? <laughs> Again, an argument. The law follows Rav. The bottom line is we follow Rav and we do give her support. And the law also follows Rav. The woman can say to her husband, she can opt out. Say, Don't do me any favor. Don't support me. I'm making more money than you. <laughs> I'll keep my paycheck. We'll have separate bank accounts and I don't need your support. We'll go, to, we'll go to the restaurant. We'll split the check. I don't want to support you. I don't want to be supported by you. It's her, her, her prerogative. And the law follows Rabbi Zvid regarding glazed vessels. Rabbi Zvid said, These glazed vessels, 
white ones and black ones are permitted. We're talking about a vessel that absorbed not kosher. So right, so so vessels, earthenware, earthenware vessels absorb the taste, and there's no way to purge the taste. So you're not allowed to use them because the forbidden taste is going to be extracted into the food. Right. So right. So here we're talking about earthenware, but it's glazed, glazed with lead. So the lead could be it's metal, could be purged. So the glazed metal won't allow, the coating won't allow the flavor to enter. Absorbing the food, it's not going to happen. So he says, if, if the lead coating is green, ones and black ones are permitted. Why? Because the glaze, the metal, per- prevents the absorbed taste in the, in the, in the earthenware from, from, from leaving and from being absorbed into the food, the kosher food that you're putting into the into the vessel. Abiyuruki city, green ones, if it's glazed with green, I'm sorry, the lead coating of green vessels, green contains a loom, which permeates the clay. So this type of coating, green coating, will not prevent the clay from absorbing green food. Or let's say chametz and Pesach. If you use it for chametz, and then you want to use it for Pesach. So he says, yeah, it's another example, even for a Jew. It was kosher, but it was chametz. So he says, he's making a distinction. So Rabbi says, if it's green or black, it's permitted. The color green. And if it's white or black, it's permitted. And green is, green is prohibited. Green, to make green, they add this, 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 this element, alum, which is very powerful. And therefore, yeah, it does go into, it, does, it is absorbed into the earthenware. And it does, and it does absorb. In other words, if it's covered, are you worried it won't reach? The forbidden food or the chametz will never reach the earthenware. Because it interferes. The, the glaze doesn't allow, doesn't allow the forbidden taste or the chametz to be absorbed. But, but the green, if it's covered with green, it has an element which is very powerful and will, will reach. So therefore any food that you cook in it or the chametz that you cooked in it, any non-kosher food, the chametz that you cooked in it, will be absorbed in the earthenware. So then when you cook something kosher or on Pesach, it's going to reabsorb the, the forbidden taste. And then we only say this at Lesbokartufni. Only vessels don't have cracks. Lesbokartufni. But if it has cracks, it's forbidden. It doesn't matter what color because the taste is absorbed through the cracks. And then when you cook uh, kosher, you cook uh, on Pesach, it reabsorbs the taste that was absorbed. We'll stop over here. Everyone have a wonderful Shabbos. Shabbos Mavarkum. Shabbos Badeshis. We'll set the tone for the whole year.